0: Thank you for listening to this message from Northwest Hills Community Church in Corvallis, Oregon. You can learn more about our church at nwhills.com. Today, guest speaker Chad Weaver is continuing a series on John, where Jesus describes who the Holy Spirit is, part of the Trinity, and what he does, convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Like he did with the disciples, the Holy Spirit moves us from confusion to clarity. In what ways has the Holy Spirit worked in your life to bring about conviction? After the message, you're invited to answer some application questions, which you can find on our website right under the worship service video. Now, here's today's teaching.
1: I get the absolute honor to introduce our speaker this morning, Chad Weaver, Pastor Chad Weaver. Chad, we didn't talk about this, but I actually think that the first time you and I met was... All campus worship like four or five years ago when I played with a, a group of guys from Antioch. Yeah. But yeah, so Chad is the college pastor at Calvary Chapel up on the up on the hill. And he runs the Real Life Ministry, which is this awesome ministry that connects with kids at Oregon State on Oregon State's campus as I've gotten to know him over the years. He's just a really, really godly man who desires so deeply for the kids at Oregon State to know Jesus. So give it up for Chad. Yeah. He's gonna bring us the word this morning. Thanks, you. Good morning. How's everyone doing? It's good to be here. It's a beautiful, beautiful day, and um, it's fun to see a lot of new faces, but also a lot of faces that are familiar. Uh, Northwest Hills has always had a, a special place in my heart. Um, when I moved from college, or moved from my house back in Astoria, Oregon, uh, under my parents' roof, I moved to college, and um, Northwest Hills was the first church I went to, and I was a part of this church for almost a year. And uh, just because of uh, the way things were, there was a college ministry meeting on campus. I got involved with real life. And a lot of the real-life students would go to Calvary, and I just got involved there. But I always have loved um, this church, and feel very honored that Josh reached out to me a little while back and asked if I would uh, do the teaching on John 16, and I just love um, Josh. So blessed by his friendship through the year, been able to go to some prayer summits with him and just pray through things together, and you guys have just a a wonderful um, pastor. A little bit about myself, um, like I said, I came to college in 01, uh, finished up my master's degrees in 07 here, and I thought I was going to be a high school teacher, but God called me into the, the college ministry and never thought I'd be a campus missionary for 14 years, but, but that's what I've been doing and loving it. And in 2011, I married my best friend, uh, Bethany, she's over there, and our kids are terrorizing the children's ministry, so forgive us for that. I'm, I'm sure they're, uh, we're going to hear stories, but um, no, they're great kids, Claire and Caleb, and so we're just privileged to be here. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to take a second just to, to pray for Josh uh, on sabbatical and just pray for our time together. Um, God, thank you so much for Pastor Josh and just his friendship. Um, God, I just know I, I've heard him just share his vision and passion for this city to, to come to know you and his vision and passion for this church. And God, you've planted him here and you've blessed him. God, fill up his cup up on sabbatical. Fill his vision up, God, to continue. God, thank you so much for his friendship. God, we just pray for our time together. As we come to your word, God, we believe it speaks. And we want to give place to that right now. God, wherever we're at in the spectrum, God, we just pray that you would speak to us. If we're a new believer, never heard the gospel before the first time at church, um, or someone that's been here a long time, God, would you speak to us? And we just give you this time and space in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can turn in your Bibles to John 16. John 16, that's the next section. Last week, J.J. uh, did John 15. Amazing passage. I love that passage. And this whole section, John 13, 14, 15, 16, is all kind of Jesus' last teaching uh, to his uh, disciples. So this is just hours before his arrest, and he's going to be killed. His time on earth is coming to an end, um, yet he's speaking to his friends. These are his friends, his closest friends. They followed him for three years. They gave up everything. And they, they followed um, Jesus. And, and so I think sometimes when I read this section of Scripture, one of my favorite sections of Scripture, it, it should carry a little more weight. Um, it's at the end of his life. And sometimes we, we learn the most about people when they share at the end of their life um, what's most important. So very powerful uh, text we're going to be in. And and he keeps alluding to, at this point, he's been alluding, Jesus has been alluding that he's leaving. I'm going to leave. I'm, I'm going away. But I love in John 14, uh, J.J., I taught that 2 weeks ago and you can listen to that online A great message also but I love John 14 uh, 18 says I won't leave you as orphans. So he's been preparing them and in the beginning of John 16 he's going to going to share man you're going to struggle you're going to be scattered uh, but I'm with you and um and so he's been preparing them and so let's start in John 16:7 we're only going to do five verses today. I don't think we have time to get through the whole chapter but um we're just going to focus on these five verses. And so today we're going to kind of look at a topic. We're going to kind of look at the Holy Spirit. Um, and so depending on your church background, talking about the Holy Spirit can be a little uncomfortable. You know, I grew up in a very conservative church. My, my dad and his family grew up Mennonite, and they moved out west, and, and we went to this very conservative church. And then as we got older, for some reason, we, we went the opposite side. We went to a very Pentecostal church. Uh, and then coming to college, I kind of landed somewhere in the middle. Um, and so I've kind of got a, a little... Uh, of all all of this, and so, um, but but I think what happened was when I when I came to college and, and my faith became my own faith, I started attending church, in Northwest Hills, and then Calvary, um, and then I I went to some missions trips, and and my eyes were just really opened to how God is moving in the world, and He's alive and active, and I got to go to Africa, lead some teams to Africa, and then my wife and I led a team to Guatemala, and we these churches were God's spirit was moving in power. And it began to shift my paradigm a little bit, like a little out of my comfort zone, a little out of my box. Um, and, um, and so I think this morning, I just want to, you know, churches think a lot of different things about the Holy Spirit. A lot of different things have been taught about the Holy Spirit. Uh, but I love our text, and so um, it's important to understand what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit. And I know uh, that's all of our heart here. And so we're just going to briefly look at two things. First, who the Holy Spirit is. And secondly, what the Holy Spirit does. And and this is just not exhaustive teaching. There's no way I could do that in uh, 20, 25 minutes. Um, But I I hope this stirs our affections to to know more of the Spirit and hopefully in your own quiet times, in your own times in the Lord, that you're seeking more of His Spirit uh, in your life. And so first, I look at who the Holy Spirit is. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is a person. And so not physical attributes, uh, not like hands and arms, but just like a real person, the Spirit has a mind. Romans 8, 27 says, the, the Spirit has a mind. 1 Corinthians 12 says, the Spirit has a will. And then last week, JJ touched on Galatians 5, the Spirit has feelings. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. These things come from the Spirit. They're emotional feelings. He, the Spirit has an identity. Jesus in the text here doesn't refer to him as an it. He says, he, look down at John 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak in his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Verse 14 begins with, he will glorify me. So we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. And then the second thing we want to understand, just understanding who the Holy Spirit is, is the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead, or the, the Trinity. Which, um, if you're new to church, that's a lot of Christianese. Uh, just look back, if you have a Bible, look back at John 15, right at the end of John 15, 15:26 says it this way. But when the Helper, speaking of the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And so what we want to understand is Jesus, the Son, will send the Spirit from the Father. That's what the text says. Jesus is telling his disciples, I was sent from the Father as God in the flesh, like God became a man in Jesus, and I'm going back to the Father, but I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm leaving my Spirit here with you. I love... Uh, 1 John, the epistle also written, the Gospel of John, 1 John 5, 7 says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And so it's important to know who the Holy Spirit is. And believe me, I've been walking with the Lord, I, I gave my life to Christ at six, six years old, at a puppet show, you know, my testimony is not so radical. You know, sorry if you were here wanting to hear that radical testimony, but that pink hippopotamus—it really got me. Um, but when I was six, I gave my life to Jesus, and and, and man, I still don't completely fully understand the, the mysteries of the Holy Spirit. But it's 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 there to be had in the Scriptures. It's a lifelong journey of of seeking more of the Spirit in our lives. And so it's important to know who the Holy Spirit is. Second thing, it's also important to understand what the Holy Spirit does. And um, we're going to use our text. This isn't an exhaustive uh, teaching again, but this is our text. You can look down at um, at verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, concerning righteousness, and concerning judgment. And so these three are going to kind of service the rest of our outline for our time together today. There's three things. The, the Spirit convicts the world concerning sin. He, can, he convicts the world concerning righteousness. And then kind of the, the winner of the two, He convicts of judgment, the inevitable outcome. And so first, let's look at the... He will convict the world of sin. And um, before we dive into that, I just wanted to share a story... Um, I've had the privilege of leading some Bible studies on campus through the years and i work worked with different uh, sports teams. As um, doing this Bible study after the, the baseball practice for a few years at at Oregon State and just those that, you know, want to come can come if they want. And um, there was one week I was just like kind of torn. I was like, do I bring my Bible, do I not? I was just going to practice. I don't want to look like some holy roller up in here, you know. So I was like, I don't know if I should bring my Bible. And then I was like, oh, I'll just bring my Bible. So I brought my Bible and as I was walking um, into practice, one of the outfielders, he was brand new, fall term, uh, saw me. And um, I don't, I, he tells me the story later, but he tells another guy he's out there with, he goes, who's that guy? He's like, oh, he's just a guy that comes every now and then. And, um, you know, those that want to be a part of Bible study after practice, you can be a part of Bible study. He's like, I need to know that guy. And all he had saw was a Bible, but God's spirit was already drawing him and convicting him. Um, and, and lo and behold, he goes on, he starts coming to study, he gives his life to Jesus, and to this day, you know six, seven years later he 's still walking with Jesus, but he came out of a, a really hard pass, you know, stuff that a kid should never have to grow up seeing. He walked in on his mom having an affair and, and, and saw his family just dissolve, and um, just a really hard situation, but god 's spirit had been convicting him, that he needed God, and, and it 's just amazing in our city. You guys are around people all the time when you're working at school, that there's people that need God and they're ready. And it's so fun when we just get a partner with Jesus and just serve our city and just love people and just be ready to share when that opportunity comes. And so first he will convict the world of sin. When the spirit comes, what does he do? He shows what's wrong with the world. And I'm sure a lot of us have opinions about what's wrong with the world. We just went through a year and a half of sitting at home, twiddling our thumbs, stuck at home, thinking this is what's really wrong with the world. Oh, what's really wrong is the wrong political party is in office. What's really wrong is the economics. Like our economy is, you know, not doing well. That's what's really wrong. And we we come up with these ideas. But look down at verse 9. What's most wrong in the world? It says it really clearly. Concerning sin... Because they did not believe in me. Because they did not believe in Jesus. This is the real problem in the world. Not systems of government, not economies. What the real problem is, is that we don't believe in Jesus. This is the real problem. This is the issue. This is what's most wrong in the world. And John's been pointing to this all throughout the gospel. The Gospel of John, this is one of the themes of the Gospel, is that life is found in Jesus. That in Jesus, there is life to be found. I love that um, the Gospel of John records all the I Am statements of Jesus. And you guys have hit on those as you've been uh, coming and part of the, the John study. But, but Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Like, there's no life without me. He says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way, there's no truth, there's no life without Jesus. We can't replace that. And then last week, I am the vine. You are the branches. And what's he say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. So it's beautiful that real life, real life can be found in Jesus. And that's really the theme. I don't want to be a spoiler alert, but maybe I didn't listen back to when the study started, but we're not in John 20 yet. But John 20, 31 one of the most amazing scriptures in in John. Really, I love any book that tells me why they wrote the book. I'm, I'm not that smart. I, you know, I grew up on a dairy farm. I'm a farmer kid. Nothing against dairy farmers, you know, but but I'm just I, I'm a little slow. So I love when a book says, this is why I wrote the book. Stay tuned. You know, they didn't have bold back there in those scrolls. You know, they didn't have the highlighter or whatever like we do, but but I need that. And John 20:31 says that You may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. When people don't believe in Jesus, there's no life. That's what the Holy Spirit convicts us of, is Jesus is the issue. It doesn't matter your ideology. Not believing in Jesus is what's most wrong. We try to fix ideology, we try to play God. But the, the main thing is the main thing. You know, you could just take a different ideology. Take politics. The idea that a political system can save us is crazy. We keep trying it. You can, you can legislate. Yeah, can you legislate acts of morality? Absolutely. There's things that you can do, and we need to stand up for things. But the transformation of a person's heart cannot be legislated. Political structures can create environments, but you need something more powerful than politics to bring us actual life. Take economics. Here's what's true about money. Whatever you are, you are. Like if you make 35K and you're just barely getting by and you're able to m- make bills, but you're, you're generous, you're you know, giving at your church, you're a part of God moving in the city and you're just you're full of the spirit and joy. Like if you had six figures, that's who you are. You're going to be the same. He is faithful with little, he's faithful with much. And the same as if you're making six figures and you're stingy and you're worried about the markets all the time and the economy, like that is who you are. More money is not going to solve our problems. There's probably a lot of country songs and other songs that say otherwise, you know, but more money is not going to solve our problems or satisfy the soul or give us more peace. Last thing about the conviction of sin. This conviction is not just for the world. He's talking about the world, but it's not just for the world. It's also for the believer. You know, the reality is when you give your life to Jesus, when you profess him as Lord and Savior, you are saved. You are in the kingdom. But the Spirit continues to expose where you've put Jesus on the peripheral of your life, and he's not the center. He continues. That's what I love about the Holy Spirit. Is he's faithful to pride, like, man, you're not giving me this. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is powerful, and and, and all conviction by the Holy Spirit is around this issue of Hey, your heart is not fully mine. You're not, your affections, your desires aren't fully Jesus's. And so you take a conviction like lust or greed or anger, just any one of those. And the Holy Spirit is saying that that, you know, greed, anger, lust, unforgiveness, this up here, has displaced this. The greatest treasure in the world is Jesus, and this has now displaced him. If you would put your focus on Jesus, if you would put your all in Jesus, if you come to love him and deeper and delight in him, like this will not be the issue. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's what the, he convicts what's wrong, but I love also, he doesn't just leave it there, what's wrong. He gives us what's right. And that's beautiful because that's where our joy comes from. We don't have to just walk around as defeated foes. But he gives us what's right. Look down. He convicts the world of righteousness. Look at verse 10. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. So Jesus is going back to the Father. He perfectly fulfilled the Father's will. And now the Spirit comes and shows what's right, what is good. What is truth? I love that throughout this this time with his disciples in the upper room, his last supper, he continues to just even use the word the helper or or the spirit of truth. So the spirit comes, he's going to send his spirit and he's going to show us what's right, what's true, what's good. I love this. And Jesus said this to his followers. And my other favorite sermon is uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. You can turn there or I can just read it to you. Matthew 5, 5, he says it this way. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. I love it. Jesus promises a blessing for those that pursue righteousness. You know, the Holy Spirit, like we should be asking, God, help me to do what honors you. Like, I don't want to watch that movie. I I know that doesn't honor you. Like, help me to pursue righteousness you know, in college ministry, it's, help me pursue this gal or this guy, like, to honor you. Like, I don't want to do what displeases you. I want to I do what's righteous in your sight. And some of the, I had an example of this a few years ago. I was doing a Bible study at a fraternity, and um, it was just crazy. God opened the door. I met this guy at a coffee shop, and he had just moved here, and he didn't know, uh, he was a Christian, but he didn't know anyone, so he's like, man, I'm going to move in this fraternity. Just so happens, I knew that fraternity's reputation, uh, it was known for the party um, fraternity. And actually since, because of that, it's no longer, it, it got shut down. But um, he moved in there and just, he just wanted to start a Bible study. And so we just started a Bible study and a couple guys came and then it grew. And just three or four weeks, all of a sudden 16 guys were coming to the house and God's spirit was moving. And again, I'm not saying this to glorify me, I, I just was available. I met this guy at a coffee shop. It was, in my mind is like, man, this is complete accident. Um, but we're meeting, and and I'm not this great teacher. I'm just we're just actually going through the Gospel John, and God's Spirit began to convict these men, and so. Every Thursday night, for whatever reason, we met on Thursday night, which some of you know, it's called Thirsty Thursday, Um, not for the orange juice or the milk that you go have, but um, what you have in it, probably. Um, But Thirsty Thursday is happening, and they say, hey, can you ask me, one by one, they came up to me after the study, one guy in particular, hey, can you ask me um, how the night goes? We have a house function, we're required to be there, there's going to be a lot of alcohol, um, and I don't want to drink. And I just, out of my curiosity, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. But I also said, you know, why don't you want to drink? I mean, you're 21, and just, you know, nothing says you can't drink. And we haven't talked about it in John. So I'm just like, I'm curious. And he's just like, ever since I started getting into this, the word he pointed at the Bible, I just feel like I'm supposed to give up drinking. And I was like blown away because he, he, he had an issue with it. But I didn't teach that. The Holy Spirit convicted that. He goes, no, this isn't good. This isn't right. What's right is this. This is right living. And so he convicts of righteousness. Verse 7. It is to our advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come. If Jesus doesn't go, the helper does not come. It's so clear in this text. But it's also hard for us. For like, if I was the disciples, I'd be like, wait, why do you got to go? It's not, how's, that, how's that helping me? I, I thought we were going to be like overthrowing the Roman government together or something. I thought we were going to be you know, doing something great. But Jesus is talking about here in this verse, about the power of the indwelling spirit in a believer's life. Like it's to our advantage that the spirit comes. If Jesus is still here and doesn't send his spirit, he's locked into time and space. And we all have to jump on a, bla- jump on a plane at PDX and we got to find Jesus. We got to go find him. But no, he's, he sent his spirit and he's dwelling in the believer. And this is probably one of the most beautiful things that we have this opportunity. And this is what the Bible clearly teaches, that he dwells inside. Look at Galatians 2.20. You can turn there, I can read it to you slowly. Galatians 2.20. Some of you around the church have heard this many times, but it's always a great refresher. I've been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. My life as a sinner is dead. My life as a sinner is dead. It is no longer I who live, But Christ, who lives me via the Holy Spirit, Christ indwells in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's beautiful. The Holy Spirit convicts, it affirms, it encourages. It doesn't just show what's wrong, but it shows what's right, what's good. This is the way to follow Jesus. This is the way you're doing a good job. Stay in the game. You know, the old man is gone. Don't go back to that. Don't keep wallowing. I, I have that temptation to go back to, to the same old things, but no, move forward. I love Corey Tenboon. Her, her uh, testimony is just radical. I don't have time to go into it, but Corey Tenboon, um, this is her quote God takes our sin, past, present, and future, he dumps them in the sea and puts up a sign that says, No fishing allowed. How good is that? man, I think that's for someone today. If not anyone, it's for me. Like, I just want to keep going back. But no, it's for, forgiven. It's forgotten. Move forward. You know, an example of, of I love looking at the disciples for example. You know, if you've read through the Gospel of John, you can um, you can actually be pretty encouraged uh, reading about the disciples. You know, these men were, off, they were constantly confused. Where are we going? What are we doing? What are you talking about, Jesus? Like, what are you talking about? He just says, he's going to say that in, John 16, so just this constant, like, confusion, and and they're also a little bit cowardly, you know, like, they act like, yeah, we're going to be tough, Um, but they're, you know, in essence, they're a small group, you know, like a home group of confused cowards, you know, and I I didn't, like, drop in on any of your home groups, but, like, you know, I, you know, just, that's life before the Spirit, that's life before uh, the Spirit continues to pour Himself out in our lives, and we can become uh, very confused and, and scared and fear. But it's amazing. If we look at the disciples, when the Spirit comes, they move from confusion to clarity. It's just amazing. Like the Holy Spirit does this work of illumination on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. The disciples were walking with Jesus and they didn't, this is after his resurrection. They didn't realize who he was even. And he's opening up the scriptures. And as he began to open up the scriptures and, and talk about all of the things that they were seeing, this illumination, like the scriptures came alive. Uh, and, and they knew and saw Jesus. And it's just this beautiful work. And you see these unlearned men turn the world upside down. Once they got to clarity, the Holy Spirit brought clarity. They're, they're, um, they turn the world upside down and this cowardliness gets driven out. It's not just a one-time case either. We see this, Peter just earlier in this, this upper room discourse, this um, sermon Jesus, or, or this talk Jesus has given his disciples, just earlier, um, he says, I got to go away. And Jesus, or Peter's like, I'm going to go with you. And he's like, where I go, you can't go. He's like man, I would die with you. And then in like a couple chapters, we're going to see Peter, he gone, man. He running, like he, he, he naked gone. Like he left his cloak and he's, you know, scared to death, gone. And so like, what, what happened in just a, a couple of chapters? He said he wasn't going to do that. But then you see in the beginning of Acts at Pentecost, you see him stand up in Acts 2 and preach and 3,000 believers get saved. They were hiding in a room after Jesus' ascension. And, and all of a sudden, the Spirit comes and gives them power to, to preach. And, and many people get saved. And then also you see in Acts 4, Peter and John get arrested. And they're told, don't speak of Jesus. Don't, you know, ever again. And they're like, man, you can do whatever you want to us. But we can't not speak of Jesus and the things we've seen. We are going to speak of Jesus. And you just see this power. What happened? What happened to these men that they go from confusion to gladness and from fear to faith? What happened? What was the thing that they could become boldest lions? It's the Holy Spirit began to show what's right. All the things they'd walked with Jesus in all of a sudden became alive to them and they started seeing what's right. And this is true not just to the apostles. We've seen this in our city. Wherever God's people allow God's Spirit to show them how to walk in righteousness... I love our city. I'm so blessed to be a part of this city. Just 30 years, I was talking to Tom. Tom White's one of my heroes. 30 years. It's so good to be at church with you today, Tom. 30 years of just God moving in um, Church of the Valley and the unity of the Spirit. And then you think of things like international students. A few years ago, when I first was in college ministry, not a lot of people were working with international students. Now almost every church has people engaging with international students. The, The nations have come and we're partnering together because we can do it better together. Like, we're the kingdom of God. It's one big C church, not little C churches. There's one church of God. And it's beautiful that that unity, that those that are seeking righteousness, is coming out. And we see that in, you know, serving with Love, Inc. together. I think of the campus prayer times. And my, my one of my mentors and friends, uh, Tom Ramsey, and just, he, he's part of your church for years, I just look up to. Like, getting to partner with other campus ministries. Hey, we're in this together. We want to see people come and fall in love with Jesus. That is the real issue. These other things are, are not primary things. The main thing is Jesus, and we want to see people fall in love with him. Last thought on third point. Got to move this. Move these uh, so thankful for paperclips for wind. It's kind of different i was i never had a headset this is like i'm like man this is really cool never had a headset so like normally i have a mic like this and i don't preach that often but the reason i bring that up i'm thinking man i should have a coffee or something it's like a real pacific northwest preacher i guess has a cup of coffee or something i don't know what to do with these hands um so if i've been sorry like i don't know what to do i don't know why i did that stick to the notes okay third thing third thing He will convict concerning judgment. Look at verse 11. Last verse here. Actually, not last verse. Two more Look at 11. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judge. You know, we often, I I don't know about you, but I often feel like we're losing. Like sometimes walking, you know, with the Lord, you're just like, man, we're losing. And we just kind of walk around defeated. You know, just through COVID, we saw a lot of division in the churches, And not just the big C church, but and little C churches against each other, but like within our own churches, people had different views about how to handle the pandemic, different views about the election last year, and it just, just oh man, this is just it's just grieving. But we can't lose sight of the fact that the the devil, it says in verse eleven, there is judged; he's defeated. Jesus is confident of this. He's saying this before he he's going to be betrayed, he's going to be arrested in a few hours, he's going to be brutally killed. He's going to raise from the grave. And he already says it. Like, we've already won. Like, it's already done. What Jesus did on the cross destroyed anything that Satan can do. Look at the end. The very last verse is 16. It's our last verse together. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Have we faced some tribulation? Has the disciples, are they going to face some tribulation? Yes, absolutely. But take heart. I have overcome the world. One of the most beautiful texts in all of scripture. What's that mean for the believer though? What does that mean for the believer? That means victory is ours. Renewal is ours. Power is ours. Life is ours. Like that's what the believer has access to. How? Because we know what's wrong. We know truly what's wrong is people don't love Jesus and we know what's Right? And he's judged already. That's how. The enemy's been judged. So don't be discouraged this morning. I know sometimes it's easy to be discouraged. It's easy to turn on the news and be like, man, what is going on? But I want to encourage you guys today. If you're a believer in Jesus, you were made for this moment. You weren't an accident that in 2021, you'd be sitting here and in this city, like you were made for this. Like God has a plan and purpose for you for this time. And the world may look like chaos, but I love what Hebrews 12 says. Look to Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1. look to Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. Like we have access to him. Look to him. Come to him. He has won. He has overcome. And the last thought is, you know, the Holy Spirit encourages the church to live, preach, and tell the world that the victory's won. It's not just a, that we look and that, yeah, we're going to win. Yes. And then we just sit at home We're like, yes, we're winning. Good, I'm on the winning team. Man, it's so beautiful, as we saw in Scripture, as we saw the Apostle, it's so beautiful to participate, not just to spectate, get in the game. Like, it's beautiful to see that we can be a part of what God's doing in the world. We can get out. We can live our lives. And we don't have to be holy rollers. You're in the line at Trader Joe's and someone just brings up a concern. You can, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, hey, man, that's, I know that's tough, man. Like, You should come to church this week. You know, we got a lot of people that are going through stuff like that. It'd be fun to have you. We don't have it all together. But we should be looking for ways to live and preach and tell the world of the victory. And we're to look differently. We're to witness to our city. This will happen when we surrender to and love Jesus as Lord of Lords. When we pursue righteousness as believers, the church becomes powerful witnesses and shows the beauty of Jesus to our city. That's what happens when we become alive to Jesus by his spirit. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you that the victory is won, that those in Jesus, God, we know the ending. God, thank you for that hope that we can come to God, we just pray that in the here and now, though, that you would show us how to walk in righteousness. And show us how that we we would walk deeper with you, get, go in a deeper relationship with you. Holy Spirit, this week, God, I just pray as we come to your scriptures, would you illuminate new things, encourage us, help us to see how you see us, help us to see how you see the world, help us to partner with what you are doing. And God, if you know me, God, and just... Um, Others here, God, we, we struggle, God, in the here and now. We struggle with doubt and fear and insecurity. And, and God, we need your power. God, we need your power to overcome sin every day. God, we're not perfect. We thank you that you see us as sinless when you see your son in us, but we're, we're not perfect. And God, the rest of our lives, God, you're going to be purging us of those things that we just need to surrender. And God, we just pray that you would do work on our hearts and that we wouldn't wait, that we wouldn't cling white-knuckle things. We need you, God. Show us in our lives where you've just been on the peripheral and you're not the center. God, we just, we love you. And, and I just even want to just pray, maybe you're here today and this is all new. Um, you're new to church. You never, um, you don't know anything about this. We're just glad you're here. And, and I just want to encourage you, man, you can know the living God today. You can have a relationship with God through the, uh, his son Jesus, by his spirit, right where you sit. And I just want to pray a simple prayer. Just, you know, the best you know how, if you want to begin to walk with Jesus and give your life to him, just the best you know how, just pray a, a prayer of confession that, that God, I'm a sinner and my sin separates me from you. But I know that because of Jesus' death on a cross, that I can be forgiven. I invite you into my life and I, and I turn from my sin. Jesus, I confess your Lord. Be Lord of my life. Give me the strength to live for you. And maybe you prayed that. And I just want to encourage you, if that's you today, talk to someone that has a, a lanyard on or just someone you came with, just to share, man, I, I made a decision to follow Jesus today. And there's people here I would love to get you connected. And God, just bless this time of worship. We want to come and, and we, want to, we want to sing of your victorious provision. We love you, Jesus. Thank you that, that you are Lord and Savior. We give you all glory. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to today's teaching from Northwest Hills Community Church. We hope you find ways to apply the gospel to your life. And be sure to check out our website, nwhills.com, where you'll find ways to engage, including resources like our application questions. Thanks again for listening.